You're tuned in to More Living with Jim Brogan. Broadcast live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for over 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Hello, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Some important changes may be underway for the currencies of the world as well as here in the United States. The BRICS nations, which are Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, are going to discuss how to strengthen their economies through a shared currency similar to the euro used in the European Union member countries. In addition to that, the Federal Reserve has expressed interest in testing a digital dollar backed by the central bank, something called a central bank digital currency. Of course, it's important for us to share these developments with you so that you can be a well-informed steward of your finances. I also would temper you uh, not to jump to any quick conclusions because all of this is uh, really early phases. It's important to remember that the news is out of your control and out of my control. What is in our control are the strategies that we use and, and building a financial plan for your family. And at the end of the day, while a changing financial landscape is important to understand, ultimately it should serve to improve a solid financial plan for you and your family, not upend it with emotional decision-making. So today we're going to talk about these key nations discussing their own currency. Uh, we're going to talk about what does the U.S. dollar going digital mean? We'll also talk about effects of divorce on your Social Security benefits and your life in general. And so hopefully we'll answer some common questions that you may have and talk about some potential solutions. So let's just kind of dive in here. You know, it's important to focus on what's in front of you and what's in control. But we do need to be aware of what's going on around us. And there are key developments in the economy that could influence things in the future. So Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, those are the BRICS nations, B-R-I-C-S. They convene this summer to discuss launching their own currency. So they're considering establishing deep economic connections through sharing their currencies with each other or developing an entirely new one. They're reportedly working on creating a new form of currency with a plan to present its development at the BRICS Leader Summit that comes up in August, just a few months away. Uh, it is important to know that several other countries 
have expressed interest in joining this economic bloc, including Argentina, Iran, Indonesia, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt. And the Saudi Arabia part, I think, is particularly important to monitor uh, because of oil. You know, the, the dollar is still the, reserve, the world's reserve currency. And while a few outlying nations are trading oil with things other than dollars, uh, it is mainly the dollar. But it jumps off a page to me that Saudi Arabia has expressed interest in joining this economic bloc. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin and Chinese President Xi Jinping agreed to adopt the Chinese yuan as a settlement currency with emerging economies. Uh, the Chinese government agreed with Brazil to facilitate trades using their national currencies. And there was also talk of the possibility of a unified currency for those member nations, kind of like that of the euro. Now, would it be backed by anything? There's Potentially, it could by gold or other commodities such as rare earth elements or even land. And at an India-Russia business forum, it was emphasized that India and Russia should institute a new economic association with a new shared currency. And a theme to me is I think China will play a crucial role in developing a common currency. So what does all this really mean, and what do we need to be aware of? Well, first, let's not you know, jump to any quick conclusions. But there's no question there seems to be a foot, a, a move to, all over the world to try to move away from the dollar being the world's reserve currency. And I think that has tremendous impact on us here in the United States. You know, what would happen to the value of the dollar if there become other reserve currencies that are considered legitimate throughout the world? Now, you also have to remember, you know, probably won't be an immediate impact. Uh, I mean, th those are not the most stable of countries, right? So them saying they want to develop a unified currency or sharing their own currencies, that may sound like a lot on the surface. Seems to me a lot would have to happen for that to become a legitimate currency for the rest of the world's developed countries. So I just think, you know, it, it's not going to have a real immediate impact, um, but it is something we need to watch and be aware of. You know, it might mean a, a weaker U.S. dollar in the future, and if that happens, we'd see probably increasing inflation. Could also empower and embolden rival economies. You know, it might help foreign investment leave the United States. So I, I think the most important thing here is to not take too drastic of an action it's it's we need to be aware of what's going on around the world and what is the potential impact down the road so um you know one of the things that i do come back to is the fact that china and the united states it seems to me i'm certainly no geopolitical expert 
but it seems to me that our economies are already so intertwined there's certainly a level of codependence between the United States and China um, you know China cannot afford for the dollar to just collapse they're, they're too way too invested in it uh, now could they do some things to gradually cause the dollar to decline and have an alternative currency system evolve, well, sure. You know, but that's not going to happen overnight. So it just has to be monitored. Ultimately, your financial plan, if, if well-constructed, is built to withstand all sorts of adverse economic effects. You know, it was interesting. I was visiting with someone a couple of weeks ago and they said, Jim, it was someone coming into my office for the first time. And he said, Jim, I just feel like, you know, things are going to go really bad. Around, you know, with everything going on around the world in the United States. I know most of us are frustrated with Washington. I said, well, you know, I thought, well, let's, let's think about the last 16 or 17 years. I mean, we've been through a, the Great Recession which is the worst economic downturn since the Great Depression. Uh, we've been through a global pandemic and a situation where the entire world shut down their economies and it can't just be rebooted. We've dealt with the worst inflation we've seen in 40 years. We've been through an awful lot in the last 16 or 17 years. And markets have continued to be resilient. And financial planning can still has continued to produce results. So I say all that because you know what markets are always volatile and unpredictable. You know they get more volatile at some times, but the two things I feel very very confident about is that markets are unpredictable and that they are volatile potentially. You know right now there's a lot of there are a lot of ingredients in the bowl if you will that could lead to a good bit of volatility in the markets. We have, you know, we're still working on the inflation issue. The Federal Reserve policy is still a little bit unpredictable. Market still doesn't know what to make of that. We've got corporate earnings estimates being consistently lowered throughout the first part of this year. We have the debt ceiling issue that I don't have much confidence in Congress getting that done before the deadline. And that could lead to a lot of volatility. And then you've got all this talk around the world of how our whole monetary system works. So there's just a lot going on, and there always will be a lot going on. And a good financial plan can reduce or all but eliminate the effect of short-term volatility in the market. Uh, however, we need to have a way to beat inflation long-term. And it might sound good to have a CD paying 4.5%, but that's still not going to beat inflation. And a three- or four-year CD is paying less than a one-year CD or even a nine-month CD. And the reason for that is there's an expectation that interest rates will start coming down uh, in the relatively near future, like in the next six to 12 months. So there's just a dynamic where we have to be aware of volatility in the market and we need a financial plan that can eliminate the or all but eliminate the impact of that in the short term, which means depending on income from other types of holdings, not having to sell at risk investments when they are volatile, uh, 
um, and then measuring the risk in your portfolio and not having too much risk. Uh, because if we lose too much, it just takes way too much time to recover. Now, when we come back, I'm going to talk about this idea of the digital dollar. Uh, the pre president's administration mentioned last year they were going to look into it, and the Federal Reserve is looking into it. How would a digital dollar, or how could it, affect the country and your financial plans? Stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan. We're with you every Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m. and again, 3 to 4 p.m. Uh, I'm University of Tennessee has their next class through their Lifetime Learning Center, Adult Education. Uh, I'm teaching on May the 2nd. It is a one-night class, Retirement Income Planning. So in one two-hour session on May the 2nd, Tuesday evening at 6.30, I'm going to talk about the major things you need to be aware of to create income in retirement. Steady, dependable income, income that will last at least as long as you last. Uh, how do you deal with inflation? How do you deal with short-term market risk? What about income taxes? Social Security election? All of those things. Again, that is May the 2nd, Retirement Income Planning at the University of Tennessee Downtown Conference Center. You can, it's 6.30 to 8.30. You can find out more by going to IncomePlanForRetirement.com. Again, that's IncomePlanForRetirement.com. For my entire class schedule, both at University of Tennessee and Mississippi State, you can find all that on my website at BrokenFinancial.com. Just click on Classes. This will be my last class before the fall, before we get into late August. Um, so just one night to really hit the nitty-gritty stuff about income planning. At IncomePlanForRetirement.com, you can download a syllabus and click to register. Just before the start of 2023, the Federal Reserve announced that it was open to experimenting with the development and implementation of a digital U.S. dollar. Now, before we jump to any conclusions, I think it's important to first understand exactly what the Fed is considering doing with the potential for a digital dollar and how it may or may not affect your financial strategies or your habits. So what exactly is a digital dollar? Well, first off, it is not another cryptocurrency. You know, a, dig a, a cryptocurrency is, is unregulated. Uh, you have technology people that mine to develop those cryptocurrencies. This would just be a really just an, a, another currency that would be backed by the U.S. Federal Reserve. It would be regulated by the, by the Fed. So it would function similarly to the U.S. dollar as opposed to other cryptocurrencies in the news that boom and bust to speculative investments. 
people are calling the concept of a centrally backed digital currency a central bank digital currency, CBDC. And a United States digital currency would serve as a complement to existing central bank reserve account balances. And as a bonus, it would provide a medium for executing instant and seamless cross-border transactions. Now, if we go back and think about this, so again, it is not a cryptocurrency. You know, forms of money throughout history are always evolving. They have since the days when people accepted seashells for payment. And a gold standard existed prior to what we have now. You know, we have a fiat currency. There is nothing that backs the paper other than the government, the Federal Reserve. There's nothing that backs the paper we carry in our wallet ever since we went away from the gold standard. So digital currencies really could be seen as another money metamorphosis in a long history of money that changes its form over time. If you think about where we are now, we're kind of already living in a world of mostly digital transactions. Most of us don't use cash. Uh, for things. Heck, most of us don't even hardly write checks for things. I know my family, we write a few checks, uh, but, but most don't do that, especially younger folks. They don't, I, I try to, we, we, we've had to really stress to our two girls that are 22 and 17 years old to carry cash in an emergency. Because so many young people today, they just don't even carry any cash. So we're kind of already living in a world where transactions are pretty much, you know, overwhelmingly digital. So to me, when I first hear about this, the idea of going to a digital currency uh, doesn't seem like it, 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 you know, completely changes the game, except there are a couple of concerns, don't get me wrong. But... Um, in terms of how our money system works, you know, it's based on our confidence in the system and that the Federal Reserve will regulate and back it. So, you know, in 2022, the White House released a framework outlining the regulation of digital assets and explore the digital dollar. And even the Federal Reserve acknowledges the technical technological innovation of digital assets as a form of money. And despite understanding the potential, the Fed warns that there are risks that might leave customers valuable to theft and fraud. So the Fed must be satisfied that it is safe to have a digital dollar. It's accessible to the public. It's without credit and liquidity risks. And that it's privacy protected, intermediated, transferable, and identity verified. Now, that's a mouthful, but that's a lot of stuff. So I don't think that's something that just happens overnight. Uh, but again, most of what we do with money anymore is done dig in the digital realm anyway. Uh, the concern that I have is with government regulation. Now, Governor DeSantis in Florida has brought this up, and I think it's been a little bit of... Uh, too, too much gloom and doom 
about the government's ability to control transactions. You know, we are already moving towards a world where smaller and smaller transactions have to be reported to IRS and it can be monitored. Certainly a digital dollar exacerbates that risk. Now, that those things don't just happen overnight. However, over time, I have found that once you up, open Pandora's box, things evolve and grow. You know, when we saw our income tax, the, the, the basis for the income taxes that we pay today was implemented in 1914. And most people in, in that first year, most Americans didn't pay any income tax. They were exempted because they didn't make enough money. And the starting tax rate was 1%. The highest tax rate was 7%. Even for people that, the Vanderbilts and the Rockefellers. But we opened up Pandora's box. And once you open up, you know, what? what is it? I think Roy Rogers said, there's nothing's more permanent than a temporary government program. So there is certainly already the ability for the government to try to mandate and regulate electronic transactions and we're already seeing some of that and a digital dollar I think would compound that risk however those things do have to be as a rule passed by Congress and we have checks and balances um, so you know if for example if a president tries to do executive order that overreaches that usually goes to the court system, to the judicial branch, to, to mediate that. Congress passes laws, uh, not the other two branches. So, um, you know, I think this is yet to be played out. But we, we know that things have been moving for a long time to more and more of a digital world with the way we spend money. And it is already pretty much there. Um, you know, the government regulating a, a currency in digital form doesn't seem a whole lot different than we are where we are now in terms of our spending money, but it does open up, I think, a can of worms for the government to be able to do more regulation, more monitoring, and maybe even restrictions. So I do think we have to be careful. This, along with the alternative currency system with uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, the BRICS countries that I talked about in the first segment, are all things to monitor. Uh, but also, don't jump to too many quick conclusions and don't overreact. Over the history of our world, our monetary systems have always evolved as our societies have evolved. So it just, again, is something we need to be aware of. I would add that, you know, it, it, it creates an opportunity for more volatility and unpredictability. Um, personally, the, uh, the effect of, of the digital dollar being researched as well as the BRICS countries re researching a, a collaboration of a currency, to me, those are far enough off where it, it'd be unlikely for those to have any kind of short economic volatility effect right now. Now, I could be wrong, but we should always remember markets inherently, as I mentioned earlier, are volatile and they're unpredictable. Uh, so that's where the financial plan comes into play. We can't control what goes on. 
We can't control what other countries do. We can't, you know, there's a lot beyond our control. What we can do is plan for risks to, to retirement income and wealth uh, preservation and wealth accumulation. So we can plan for all those things very effectively. And remember, I, I said over the last 16, 17 years, think of the, the major significant challenges we've had with the Great Recession, with the pandemic, with a stagnant economy for a lot of those years, a economic shutdown and a rebooted economy, the worst inflation in 40 years. Uh, yet we have seen our clients, certainly, uh, be very, very successful in their planning over the last 16, 17 years. So I think with good planning, uh, you can handle these uh, risks uh, to your financial security. When we come back, we're going to talk about spousal implications, both as a spouse with things like Social Security. We're also going to talk about opportunities for a spouse. On the investment side, we'll also talk about the effects of divorce on your retirement plan. So stay with us. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. We're with you every Saturday here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI, 9 to 10 a.m. and again 3 to 4 p.m. You can catch all of our show's podcast. Uh, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just type in More Living. Uh, we also keep all our show's uh, podcast on our website. If you go to brokenfinancial.com uh, and click on radio, you can stream all of our shows, as well as our dollars and cents segments, our retirement minutes, and everything. So our goal here is to bring you great information so you can make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life for the better as you age. Now, when we grapple with the larger questions of fiscal policy and changes in the financial landscape, it's important to still remain remember the whole reason your money concerns matter to you, typically your family's financial security. So I think it is crucial to discuss some of the key financial strategies to be aware of if you're married and have a spouse uh, or if you're divorced. So the first thing that of course comes to mind is social security benefits and understanding how they work. When you're married the lower earning spouse gets the greater of you you get the greater of your own benefit that you're entitled to or you get one half of your spouse's benefit so when social security calculates your benefit they look at your highest 35 years of earnings now that's inflation adjusted so money you made in the 1980s is adjusted for inflation but they look at the highest 35 years of earnings in order to qualify for benefits on your own record. 
you have to have at least 40 quarters, so 10 years. You have to work in at least 40 different quarters or 10 years in order to establish your own benefit. So that's important if, if two spouses, if one of you work primarily in the home for a long time or, or there's a, there was a big discrepancies in pay rate, that's a very important consideration because, the, the, again, the spouse with the lower earnings record, the lower Social Security base, you get the greater of your benefit or one half of your spouse's benefit. Now, in order to draw that one half spousal benefit, however, your spouse has to be drawing the benefit. So I'll use my wife and me as an example. Uh, Dee Dee is my vice president of operations. Um, does an incredible job. She spent many of her years working primarily in the home. So for a lot of those 35 years, you know, she was either working part-time or, you know, usually working part-time, doing music, education, teaching, that kind of stuff. And she doesn't have a higher earnings base, so she'll get half of my benefit. But for her to get half of my benefit, I have to be drawing. And it, it, it's half of the benefit, but you have to understand how that works. You know, my full retirement age is, my full retirement age is 67, as is Dee's. Uh, if you're born before 1955, your full retirement age is 66. And then every year between 1950, starting in 1955 through 1959, every year adds two months to your full retirement age. So if you were born in 1955, your full retirement age is 66 and two months. If it's 1956, full retirement age is 66 and four months. That's how that works. And then if you're born in 1960 or later, your full retirement age is 67. Now, why is that important? It's because that's the age at which you're allowed, you can draw your entire benefit that you're entitled to based on your earnings record. Your full retirement age is when you get that full benefit. Uh, it, and there's no earnings test once you reach full retirement age. So it doesn't matter if you're working, how much money you, you earn, you get your full benefit. See, if you draw prior to your full retirement age, there is an earned income test. So earnings from wages or self-employment income, you know, if you make more than about $21,000, $22,000, you don't want to file because you'll have to give most of your, if not all, your benefits back. So if I use me and my wife as an example, my full retirement age benefit is 67, as is hers. What that means is when I'm 67, whatever my benefit is, she would get that if she draws when she is 67. If she draws, if I draw at 67, I'm two years older than she is. If she goes ahead and draws at 65, it's not going to look like half because she's drawn her benefit early, early and there's a discount to how much she draws. So the half means she gets half, when she's full retirement age, she gets half of my benefit that was calculated, that's calculated at my full retirement age, but I have to be drawing in order for her to get that spousal benefit. So that can certainly affect your 
with your Social Security election. I like to say that Social Security election is the most important election you'll vote on in retirement. It is crucial. You know, when, so the, the high, whole idea of Social Security is to fund 30 to 40% of your income in retirement. Now, for some people, that's higher than that. For a lot of people, it's lower than that. But that's kind of what the averages look like. But there's so many options on how you draw benefits, how it affects your spouse. What about widow benefits? When one spouse dies, the surviving spouse gets the higher of the two benefits. Uh, but then only gets one, not both, right? So if I died first, my wife would then step up to my benefit. It no longer matters when I, when she drew her benefit, she gets my benefit. So if I waited, to use an extreme example, if I waited to 70 and she drew at 62, so she's got a reduced benefit, uh, if, when I die, if I die first, she's going to get my full benefit. That, that my age 70 benefit. It doesn't matter anymore that she drew at 62. So see, that can all, always have an impact as well. We've got to think about all of those things. Um, now, divorce spouses have the same kind of benefit rights as a spousal benefit if you were married for at least 10 years. That's the qualifier. If you were married for 10 years and then you're divorced, you're eligible for all those spousal benefits and widow-widower benefits that I just discussed. But Social Security is not going to connect those dots for you. You're going to have to do it for them. And you're going to have to provide a marriage certificate, a divorce agreement. You're going to have to prove that you were married for 10 years. But it's really important to understand that. And what I have found is a lot of ex-spouses will understand they can be eligible for the spousal benefit. But years later, if your ex-spouse passes away before you do, if your ex-spouse had a higher benefit, you, was, you can step up to that higher benefit. But again, you have to notify Social Security and make them aware. And that gets often overlooked. So these things are critically important to understand. Uh, and to draw the, an, if you're an ex-spouse, to draw that spousal benefit, your spouse does not have to be drawing. Uh, and that was implemented years ago because spouses in some cases were delaying drawing their own benefit so their ex-husband or ex-wife couldn't draw the spousal benefit. So that changed a pretty long time ago. Uh, so, you know, the reality is, your Social Security election, especially for a married couple, uh, it's complicated even for just a single person. But as a married couple, it really gets complicated. And what works for you, what worked for your neighbor or your coworker or your brother or sister may be the worst thing you could do. So we've just got to be very, very calculated. Now, Social Security election is one of the fundamental things that I cover in UT's income planning, planning class. It's coming up on May the 2nd. It's May the 2nd, Tuesday evening at, at uh, 6.30 at the Downtown Conference Center through their Lifetime Learning non-credit. Uh, the course fee, I think it's $39. It is a one-night class for two hours about retirement income planning, and Social Security will be a fundamental part of that. 
You can find out more information at IncomePlanForRetirement.com. You can download a syllabus and you can click uh, to register. You can also call the University of Tennessee directly at 974-0150, 974-0150. When we come back, we'll talk about other implications and considerations when you're going through divorce that you need to be aware of. So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in this week to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Uh, If you you missed part of this, you can catch us again 3 to 4 p.m. We're with you every Saturday. Uh, You can also catch all of our podcasts online, broganfinancial.com. Click on radio. Also, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can download and listen to our podcasts of all of our shows. Divorce is a very difficult process in many ways. But it can be an important part of maintaining your mental and emotional health. And although it's a difficult subject, it's still important to remember the financial implications of divorce and understand your best options to protect and plan for your future financial stability as an individual. Studies show that divorce negatively impacts both spouses, the ex-husband and the ex-wife. One study found that women who divorce after age 50 see their standard of living drop on average 45%. Men see their standard of living drop 21%. Both big numbers. Certainly women have a, are, are impacted more than men. Now, there are steps you can take when going through divorce and afterwards to, in help, to help ensure your financial well-being. Uh, so it's important to look at all these factors. Okay. Now, uh, one of the things that you have to look at, just like an estate plan, it can get messy when you try to split your life down the middle. You know, the number of dependents you may be responsible for or may legally claim could change. Uh, The taxation of alimony payments, the rules for who pays those taxes has changed. Joint bank accounts may have to wind down and there will be a need for new bank accounts to hold the funds that were once held in your joint account. Other shared assets or real estate, such as a primary residence, will need to be sorted out. And this is where, you know, whose name is on what can sometimes matter. Also, understanding the rules and the laws. You know, Tennessee does not, in in, in the Tennessee Code, does not offer a lot of protection and rights for spouses. And that's where the attorneys that come into play sort that stuff out. And usually things are kind of split down the middle. Uh, but, but the law doesn't say necessarily that has to happen. Now, uh, 401k plans, notably, are protected uh, for the spouse. So, you know, those have to be agreed on in a legal proceeding uh, and under ERISA law, the, the uh, Employment Retirement Income 
Securities Act passed in the 1970s uh, provides automatic spousal protection. Now, 403Bs are not covered by that. So it is extremely important to understand the rules and the laws, who is, whose name is on what, and who are the beneficiaries. And that all of that stuff be negotiated appropriately. Now, one of the, the most common mistakes and problems I see is looking at the dollar figure of various accounts or assets and dividing things up different ways. Like, oh, you keep the IRA, I'll keep this investment account. Because what you have to keep in mind is the, the future taxation of those accounts. You know, if I have an investment account that's not in an IRA, many, of the, many if not most of the income taxes on that money has been paid. So if I were to cash it in and use that money, not all of it would be taxed. Only some of it, maybe a small piece, depending on the tax efficiency of your investment plan. But if I have an IRA, that IRA has not been taxed. So it's not worth, if I have $100,000 in my IRA, it's not worth $100,000 to me. I have to pay the income tax. Now, a Roth IRA is tax-free. I own all of it. But then you've also got to look at how old are you? You know, are you 59 and a half yet? Now, the good thing is, if a, if a retirement account asset is divided... Uh, and split off, like if you split them in half, uh, even if you're not 59 and a half, the spousal uh, part of that can be accessed prior to 59 and a half without a tax penalty as long as it stays. It's called a quadro election, qualified domestic relations order. It comes from a court of law, and as long as it stays as a quadro, it can be accessed with no tax penalty. However, if you roll that into your own IRA, which is an option for you, uh, if you roll it into your own IRA, you lose that access pre-59 and a half. So it's just important to understand all the rules. Um, I've had people come into my office that had recently gotten divorced and were under 59 and a half years old. Their professionals didn't understand the, Im the implications of a quadro versus putting it in their own name. And, and if they want that money before 59 and a half, they're going to have to pay a tax penalty. So it's just super important to understand all this. It's also important to understand that when you start dividing up assets, one asset that you own may be not worth the same as another asset that you own due largely to tax implications. You also need to think about the impact of life insurance. Who are the beneficiaries? A lot of times in a spousal, uh, in a divorce agreement, a lot of times that, that's, that needs to be worked out that if the higher earning spouse that, that's now an ex-spouse died prematurely, you know, if they're paying you alimony or child support, you need to make sure that that income is protected in the event of your ex-spouse's untimely death. So that's all got to be worked out and negotiated. So it's just very important to not only have legal assistance when you go through divorce, but also have financial guidance and support to make sure that everything is equitable and that you make wise decisions to protect your future. Unfortunately, divorce, as I mentioned earlier, has a huge financial implication for both men and women. And so those things can't be just handled lightly, both from the legal side 
and from the financial planning side. Thank you for tuning in this week. We've discussed your wealth because greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you to Riley for engineering the show. Thank you to Jill for helping produce the show. Do check out my next class. It's it's through the University of Tennessee. Retirement Income Planning. You can go to IncomePlanForRetirement.com to learn more about this class. It's coming up on May the 2nd, Tuesday evening at 6.30, a one-night, two-hour class. Again, IncomePlanForRetirement.com. Thanks for tuning in this week. Have a blessed weekend. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.